Hello and welcome to uh, season two of the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast series, a series about how Yukon businesses are adapting their businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and I'm recording today from beautiful Dakwakata Haines Junction on the traditional territory of Champagne and Ajac First Nations. And my uh, guest today is Jaden. Jaden, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm, I'm Jaden Soroka. I'm um, with Outpost 31 um, and Creative Lab and a bunch of other crazy stuff happening up in Yukon. And uh, I'm coming actually recently moved. So I'm coming from outside of Whitehorse, um, but in the Kwanlandan First Nations territory. So it's pretty exciting to be here. Thank you. Oh, thanks for joining us, Jaden. Jaden, um, so just kind of give me an overview. What What is it that you do? Good question. That's evolved over the last little while, specifically with COVID actually, it really changed. So um, I now, and I mean, I facilitate, you know, uh, story and vision through different means and, and platforms. And, and I would say deployment opportunities that exist in the world. Um, stereotypically, we used to work in film and animation. So I'm, I'm a classically trained animator, um, worked in 3D and 2D, but really fell in love with animation a long time ago. And there's been a national, like a natural evolution now to work more on what's called XR. So we are now really developing XR content. Um, it's just a different way to tell story. It's more immersive. Um, XR stands for extended reality. So that's anything that's beyond you. So that's virtual reality, augmented reality, 360, um, incorporates motion capture, 3D scanning. So we are kind of trying to tell stories in new ways. As someone said, um, new tech, but old tales. And I like that. Um, so... Yeah, so and COVID allowed us to really, I think, make that transition in a meaningful way because we, we saw the potential and we're like, you know what, we need to kind of move into what the world is transitioning into outside of the territory, which is XR. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and how long have you been in business? Um, myself, so I've had multiple companies. Um, Outpost actually just recently merged with my first company. So uh, technically speaking now we have, um, man, We've been in business for almost 14 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my, my first company was, was uh, Pixelbox um, and it merged with Outpost 31 recently. Um, for many reasons, it was time to merge the two. Um, and yeah, so like, but in total, yeah. I, I mean, been working in this field for over 20 years, but in, in terms of an entrepreneur with a business, um, it's been actually about 18 years. But this re recent iteration is about 13 years old now, 14 years old. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And who's your customer? Is it Yukon? Is it Can Canadian? Is it international? Um, it's everyone, especially when we're when working in XR. Um, when we worked in film and TV, we did lots of work with, I would say, national broadcasters. We worked with CBC, the National Film Board. Um, obviously, with YMD as a huge supporter. I wouldn't say they're a client, but a huge supporter. Yukon Media Development locally around content creation and, and creativity. Um but we work with, yeah, with tourism culture. Um, we're working a little bit with First Nations, but we have clients in Australia. I've got clients in the States. Um, worked, you know, clients in Ontario. Um, actually, recently, some clients in Asia. So there's just lots of work out there, especially with XR, because it's such an, a new niche field. If you're working in that field, there is not enough creators for the amount of content that's being developed currently. So there's lots and lots of people that are just finding us. Like, so we're in the Yukon. And like, hey, I hear you guys do this work. And I'm like, how did you, how'd you find us? And so it's been a really interesting time to work in that way where, you know, we, we are at capacity right now and I'm looking to grow the team because <laughs> Yukon dogs. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, but like we, we have, I mean, we're all over the place now and it's been really exciting and we have some really cool projects that are local now, like really focused on bringing the technology and the skill sets we've developed internally and kind of trying to deploy them locally, um, supporting, um, some cool projects in Carcross, supporting museums locally, and doing some training actually in the communities around XR and the schools. So it's been pretty fun. Yeah. That does. That sounds really exciting, Jaden. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do, What are you learning about your customer during the pandemic? Oh well, uh, good question. Um, the pandemic forced everyone to obviously isolate and have distance. Um, the, while the world was kind of hurting and, and people were suffering, if you worked it in the digital sector, um, we kind of saw a moment of, of flourishment that we hadn't seen previously, just because 
people needed to go digital, right? Zoom took off, all these things. Netflix had the, the biggest, obviously, subscription in, in there in history because people were at home. And so if you work in it like we do, we just saw lots of opportunity. People were asking, we need help to now make this more visual. We need to go online. We can't do this in person. Um, we're talking to a conference that wanted us to develop a, a game engine to, to do a, a dirt, like a virtual conference because they can't meet in person. So um, it was an interesting time. There was, there was people were looking for ways. So our clients... Uh, that we worked with came back to us with lots of work. We found new clients is what happened. We, a lot of people were coming with, with new ideas, new, new problems really. And we wanted to solve the technology. So, um, you know, if, if you're working right, like in COVID and even now in a digital sector where you're not necessarily on set in a big crew, if you're a small agile crew working in digital, um, the world was kind of your oyster for a little while there. And it still is because, you know, we can do things as a small team that was safe during COVID. We still can do things really safely. Um, that larger studios were struggling with during COVID, right? So it was a time for the small studios to really take off and start doing cool things. And we saw that happen and we took advantage of that. We're like, um, we, so Outpost 31 was founded by three partners, myself, uh, Neil McDonald and Dave Hamlin. Um, during COVID, um, the two of them decided to leave the company um, for many reasons. And we just had different, I think, directions in life. And I'm really interested in technology and interested in like the next way to tell a story and, and what's out there. And they're more classically based. Um, I'll be honest, like they're not easily replaceable. Frankly, they're impossible to do it. Like they're, they're some of the most talented content creators in their field in the North. So when they left, I had the choice of either shutting things down or, or kind of bringing a new team in. And I chose to kind of, okay, well, there is this opportunity that exists. It's a weird time in the world. It's COVID. And I chose to take a lot of risk. And I spent six months, took six months off, said no to everything and trained a team of up and coming kind of young adults in the territory who were interested in this field um, because I saw the potential. Like, I think I did see that eventually, you know, once COVID, you know, calmed down, like there would be a time of flourishment for everybody, but digital specifically is just the time. So after six months, these, these four interns are now employed and like we are doing things that Outpost has never thought about doing. We're doing things at Pan Territory that have never been done before. And that's exciting, right? We're, on, we're in leadership. We're the forefront of like this frontier of XR in the North. Um, and we don't want to be the only one. Like we're very much about sharing. So we're working with businesses. We do lots of conferences around how XR can be integrated into the North, whether it's business or First Nations or government or creative or nonprofit. We're working with some theater companies on how to use motion capture to do you know, really cool puppetry work uh, that can be a performance, but then be shared internationally digitally um, or live streamed you know, as a performance. So it's been an exciting time. The reality was that like to do that, I needed a team. Um, and what happened in this internship, I took a bunch of youth under 30 and at the end of it, they were doing things that I didn't understand. They, they were, we kind of had an idea of where we'd be in, in six months. They reached that goal in three and a half months. Like we had reached the goal to where I thought we'd be in six. So the last two and a half months, I was like, well, let's explore what we could do. And I asked the team, what are you guys interested in? And they were interested in, you know, XR, interested in more um, game engine stuff. So we took two and a half months to kind of figure out what that looks like for our team. Uh, and I would come in the office and every other day I come in and someone, one of my, would be like, I'm doing this. Uh, and what, for instance, one had a, had a phone and he was able to track with his phone, the environment and put in 3D objects and then he could, he could go into different rooms and come back and those objects maintain tracking in the locations that they were, like, it was just one guy during COVID, we had a COVID scare, you know, in the offices, everyone did. And Joseph, one of my interns decided, well, I'm going to go home, but I'm going to recreate our office in 3D in a virtual space. So he had VR goggles, created our office in 3D and was at home working, pretend like he was in our office, but actually ported into our computers. So he's using our power at the office and our server and our capabilities, but from home and like, it, and he sent me a photograph of him, like a virtual photograph but it looked like he was sitting in our office in a virtual office, but it was just hilarious. And he's like, ah, I just missed the office. So I made it in a game engine. So these interns in the course of six months were just doing things that I didn't understand. And that's okay. I'm, I'm kind of taking more of a leadership role as, an, as a business owner now, more of a CEO. Um, I'm stepping back from the technical skills from the, from the creative skills, because it's time to start allowing others to take on that. So I'm passing that torch forward. Like there's these young people that are super creative, super interested in, in tech and how tech can actually not only work in our lives, but how it can actually make our lives better. And like they're, they're kind of becoming stewards of how we bring technology into our lives in a meaningful way that is beneficial, that isn't exploitive, but actually creates better better experiences, a better ways to tell stories, more immersion, and to see how they're playing and what they're interested in. Like there's so much hope for the future, like the youth. Um, what I realized is we just need to give them an opportunity, some mentorship, 
access to like the infrastructure and like they will just kind of take it and run with it and do some amazing things. So it was one of the proudest moments as, as an owner was just this internship because I saw the potential that exists in the territory, which is in our youth, especially like they're digital natives. They've grown up with this stuff. They understand it more than I do. I mean, I am really savvy. I'm, I'm like the things I can do on, on software. I'm very savvy. And my interns constantly put me to shame. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Jaden, that's, that's already an amazing story about pandemic adaptation and yeah. the ability to take that six months of reset to transform your business and see where your opportunities are. Yeah. I want to kind of take you even further back in time to like yeah. before, you know, that even was an opportunity for you or, or, you know, just a glimmer in your eye. Like, what's your first memory of the pandemic? When did you realize that this was going to be a thing and you were going to have to shift what you were doing? I had just... Um... I take a lot of risks in business. Um, I think partly like Neil and Dave, you know, my other founders, I love them. They're, they're, they're way less, they're more risk averse than I am. Um, so um, when the pandemic started, I'd already done some risky moves and, and made some risky plays around bringing actually motion capture to the territory for the first time ever. So I was, you know, playing with the acquisition of some very expensive things in a time where everything's shutting down. So I remember, the pandemic started and I was sitting up in my living rooms, looking out at Whitehorse, everyone's home. It was quiet. It was weird. And just thinking like, is this the right time to take all these risks financially and, and business wise? Um, and it was really hard. Like I, I struggled for a while with that decision. Right. Cause I, I, for the first time in many, many years, we've lived in a time like relative peace in the world. I mean, prosperity, you know, um, we had a really long go there where things were pretty good and it was really easy to take risks and really easy to kind of, and then all of a sudden, you know, for the first time in my life, I was faced with real strife in the world. And, um, and it made me question like what I'm doing is this make sense. Is this the right move? And, you know, typically I don't think too much. It's like, Oh, things are okay. We'll figure it out. You know? And I was faced with like, is this going to be okay? Is this going to, is this going to like bring us down to nothing? Is this going to destroy what we've been building? Um, but me being me, I just, at the end of the day, I decided to take the risk and jump kind of off that ledge and, and try it out and see what happens. And so, and it's led to where we are today as a company, which we're doing things that I never, like I said, never thought possible, but I was scared and I was like uncomfortable because I've never been, been faced with such, such a, um, a possibility of like massive disruption to business in general. Right. And, and we just, none of us knew what, it, what would happen and how it would go. But I remember just sitting there in my living room for multiple days, pondering like, you know, what should we do? Is it, this makes, I, I was, yeah, it was weird. I've just never felt that way before where I was just, typically I'm not too, too scared of risk, but I was quite scared of risk back then. Yeah. 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 Which of the, you know, we risk assessment and we've been putting these public health measures in to help us, you know, navigate the risk environment here in the territory in Canada, mm -hmm. which of those public health measures have been the most challenging for you as a business owner during this time? I'll be honest. Um, it's probably more external to the Yukon than internal. The, yeah. Our struggles. Um, like I said, we have a small team. So we were really actually able to be safe and adapt and work together in an office during COVID, which is pretty amazing. When there was a scare or those things happened, we would shut down. And luckily we're digital, so they can go home and kind of keep working for the most part. Um, so um, we don't have a lot of people, people coming into our office. Like it's just, so there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, um, possible transference of the disease at the time. So relatively in the Yukon, we were okay. You know, um, I had a harder time with not having a community anymore, not being able to see friends, you know, like I think a big part of telling stories and being a, being a storyteller is experience in the world. And for two years, we didn't have much experience. So I feel like that part of our soul as part of creativity and, and having rich experiences in life. I didn't have much to say because like we weren't, none of us were doing much right at that time. So that was really hard. Um, both mentally and physically to be removed from the amazing things that the North allow us. It's a quality of life up here we have and COVID stripped a lot of that away for a while, you know, from everybody in the world. Um, but we moved here for, for the life, right? The lifestyle. And, and I moved here for the community. Amazing people live here. And it was hard to lose a community for a couple of years and, um, and kind of feel like you're on your own, not only in business, but alone in your home, um, all those things. Uh, but to be honest, it was more, um, globally speaking, COVID hurt us. The supply chains were big. We work in a technical field. We need silicon. We need 
you know, certain kind of rare metals. Um, I would buy equipment that we needed for stuff and it would come seven months late, you know, like that was really reality. So even for the internship, we had a plan to acquire some equipment. We had AR headsets, we had um, 3D scanners, all these things were kind of coming into our studio and we had a curriculum that we were going to work on, right? But I had to adapt because, okay, this week we're supposed to do this, that gear, I have no idea where it is. It's not coming, it's not here yet. Hey, your computer that you're supposed to be working on, it's not here because that silicon is who knows. So it was a, like a waiting game, but you know, we adapted. We had lots of stuff in the office already from previous work. So we were able to kind of figure things out, but the supply chain slowed down everyone, but it really slows down technical businesses that work in, in a technical field. Um, technology, right? So that was hard. Um, but also like I could pretty quickly see the opportunities that existed too around what we're doing. So it was, it was a funny time to, to see the risk, understand what was going on, but also see a lot of the potential. Um, and like I said before, we, we, we ended up taking some risks. Um, some of the greatest businesses have come out of, um, in history have come out of, you know, stock crashes, um, the, you know, um, when there is massive strife in the world, there has been these businesses, like, I don't know the names of them, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I read lots of books and like we talk about like in these moments of strife, in these moments of global, you know, eruption and decay, there are these businesses that kind of find a way through it and they, they thrive. And so that was kind of my hope was like, rather than thinking about, Hey, this is, this is the end of us. or we're going to really have a hard time. How do I convert this into an opportunity? That's a sad way because COVID was not an opportunity. It was a sad thing to say that it was a hard time, but how can I use this time to get us to what would be after COVID, right? Thinking like, what's when COVID's over, where do I want to be? And that was part of the internship. I think we need to grow a team. It's a good time to grow a team because, um, you know, um, things were slowing down. There's lots of like lots of work, but I just decided it was time to kind of reassess and evolve as a company and getting ready for the future. And the future for me was XR. Um, if you look globally, um, you know, you got Apple releasing their AR headsets, um, Meta, which is Facebook, are releasing like four over the next year and a half, four new headsets. NVIDIA developed a new headset. Um, you got Samsung and Microsoft doing their, their own HoloLens, which is their AR goggles. Um, the military in the US just paid $23 billion to work with um, Microsoft on, on AR glasses. So there, there is like that field is starting to see momentum. Um, and then your phones too, like, oh, there's a lot of stuff coming up with phones uh, for, for XR. Um, so I can just see, you know, we're not there yet. It definitely is futuristic. It's definitely coming. It's down the road. But if we start to build capacity now, when the world is ready for it, um, we have the capacity to take advantage of that moment in time and be a leader, not only in the North, but maybe a leader globally around content creation for XR. So I just saw that we need to start building towards that, even though the industry is still growing and it's still a little bit like what's going to happen. Um, we're seeing a lot of cool trends happening in Asia, in the United States, over in Europe. And it's like, if we don't, if we don't start developing the capacity now, we're going to be, you know, left behind again, like we are in, in so many other, other fields, because we are in the North and it's just a reality of being here, right? It's, it's hard to compete. Um, so I'm trying to build capacity now so we can actually compete later. Yeah. Jason, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. You, you are, you're, and you're, you're adding so much more into it too. You've talked a lot about different adaptations that you've made in your business pivots, you know, within the industry itself and to your mentorship program. Um, what, what adaptation are you most proud of during this time? Hmm. Good question. I think two, there's two adaptations. One was internal for me and one was external with, with the team. I'll start with me first. So I, I've had a couple great people, mentors in my life. I've been very blessed to have some amazing people who have been very successful in business, are still successful in business and are happening friends of mine that, you know, every once in a while over a nice drink or a tea or, or a meal, just kind of divulge some amazing stuff. And um, there's one guy in the Yukon actually, who's um, been very successful. His name's Toby. Um, and uh, I sat down with him. We we're doing some work with him. I, I was actually doing some XR work for his business in the North, uh, developing some IP for him. And uh, I was at one night with him. And so he does Aurora Borealis stuff. And uh, we're sitting in his truck and hanging out, you know, and it's about the witch hour when the, the Aurora comes out. So he takes us outside. He's like, okay, let's, because we're doing some, some filming of it uh, in stereoscopic 3D to do it as a VR experience. Um, so I had a whole kid outside, you know, but he could care less about the camera. He, could, he 
as soon as the Aurora came out, it was like he was a kid. And I'd never seen someone so joyful. And this is like, he's out there all the time. Um, he sees Aurora every night it's out. He's out because his clients wanted to be out. So, but I've never seen someone with such consistency. It's like when it's out, he it's, it's like he saw it for the first time. The joy he had and for his business, what I loved about it, he's not interested in, you know, necessarily the money. Um, his approach was like, I want my clients to have my experience, have this joy that I have. And in doing so, he's been very successful. His interest isn't in the end, the end, the end goal or, the, or the, the financial monetization of what he's doing. It's in the user experience, right? Like he's all about user experience. And he is like his, 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 his company and his ID in the North is, is expanding, it's growing, it's exploding, and he's doing very well. And I think what I love about his approach, he's not thinking about the money. He's thinking about the user. And so my transition over this term of COVID was to really think about the partnerships we built. And, and my focus is on the user experience, the partnerships, how we want to basically explore technology with our collaborators, less about the money. Because I'll be honest, if, if you're doing those things, if you are approaching your partners with meaningful projects, with ways to engage that you know are going to support either their product, their story, their vision, their needs, um, the money will come. Like, and if you stop worrying about the money and start focusing more on you know, what you're doing in the world, how you're creating, how you're being, the integrity approach with your clients and with the work you're doing, you're going to be okay. And that's one thing that Toby taught me was just like, don't worry about that, worry about this. And that's also way more fun as an owner to think about the experience of your clients, the experience of your users. And if they're having a blast, you're having a blast. And it's true because I was out there and like, as soon as I saw him enjoying the Aurora, I was enjoying it like I saw it for the first time because he was telling me all these things. And you know, it's just he was just so in love with Aurora. And it allowed me to love Aurora in a way that I haven't in a long time because we see lots of up here. Um, so seeing something like my business or Aurora again for the first time and, and re-envisioning like how to approach that. So that was a really great um, moment with him. So I've shifted how I approach business and it's really about, it's less about money. And that's been kind of nice not to, not to worry so much about that anymore. Um, not that money, money's important, but if you worry about it, it, it kind of starts to own you. And all you're worried about is, okay, the next contract, how to, how to make that money, how to pay those bills. And that's important. I think I've been around business long enough that I'm no longer, like if you're just doing good work in the world and, and crafting great things and working with great people, you're making enough money to make a living. You may not be a rich man or a rich woman, person but at least you're able to pay the bills and at least have a, a decent life so it's i'm less worried about money and that's been a nice transition to focus less on that um in terms of the other part uh it's been working with youth um as a business we need to engage with youth across the board in the territory more um they are a gold mine of opportunity they are like their interests they're they're so eager for opportunity they're so eager to work they're so eager to learn new skills um when I sat down with the four of them at first, just to see their their genuine joy and interest in just an opportunity in the North to work in this field. Like they, none of them thought, we thought we would never get this opportunity to work in this field in the North ever, right? And so um, we gave them the opportunity and they didn't, they didn't let me down. You know, they really did take that and run with it and make things happen. Um, and they're, they're not the minority, I think the majority in the Yukon, like youth up here, um, we need to start engaging more. We need to start in schools to start to really think about how do we engage with meaningful education around technology in schools because that's the way things are going. And we need, not necessarily so that they understand technology, but I think the Yukon could be a place around stewardship of technology because the youth here have different experiences. They live on the land. They just have a different connection to what's happening. And I have seen how they approach, they're very woke and they're, they're very, their approach to technology is really interesting because they care about how it's being used. Um, not necessarily how they're making money off of it, but how are we using this to actually do something either good in the world? Um, so it's a shift, right? I really love that shift. And I think we need to start empowering more youth to work in, in all the fields in the territory, but they're just, they love technology. For the they live on their phones, right? They, they get it more than I do. So that was a huge shift for me in terms of business was just see the potential of hiring youth and working with youth. Yeah. Mm. What have you learned about your business model over the last two years? I mean, you're trying to compete in an, an international space. So what are you, what are you realizing? Um, good question. Uh, so a big part of this, I think is you don't get far if you don't take any risks. Um, Outpost was static for a bit and it's because I think we, be, we became risk averse as a, as a, as a, as a democracy, right? There's three of us and we started, and I think, um, whether it's COVID or any time you need to kind of take risk in order to see 
rewards, especially in business. And if you're not willing to, um, you often don't go very far. And yeah, the, the, the opposite side is you risk and you fail. Um, but failure isn't always failure. Failure is often education. So um, that's been one thing is just um, understanding that, you know, I need to be pretty much always open to take a little bit of risk or a lot of risk in order to see us succeed, especially in XR. So we're in a field that's super technical, very cutting edge, very expensive um, and very unknown. So there's a bunch of risks already there. You know, the, the, there's a risk to just stay in the game, the cost of it. There's a risk to play in the game because in the Yukon, we don't have, I'll be honest, XR specialists, except for now my team. Like we yeah. took six months and we're, you know, we're still developing our skills. We're not, we are not by any means um, elite technicians in that field, but um, in the territory, there's no one really. So the danger in, in trying to play in this game is that if these interns who are now my employees choose to like try a different field and go somewhere else, then I have to rebuild it again because, or I have to go and, you know, recruit. I've tried to recruit people from outside the territory up here before when I tell them, Hey, come up here and do animation or do XR. And they're like, in the Yukon, like, why would I leave Toronto or Vancouver to do that? You know, they, they don't see, they don't see, once you're here, you get it, but they don't see the potential of, of doing that field because it's digital. You can work anywhere and being up here. Whereas working with people who already live here and youth that want to live here and stay here, they're invested. They want to be here, but they want to work in a technical field. And so, but there is a danger because I, I've chosen to work in a very specialized field. And of course, I'm also very encouraging. If my interns want to go and make their own businesses, I'm all for that because I think that's that's like that was the end goal. Is like I want to empower them to to possibly and hopefully have a career in this field in the north if they choose to. And to be honest, all four of them, if they left tomorrow and start their businesses, would, would be successful. And that's actually okay with me because I think we need we need to proliferate this opportunity locally. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Did you? early in the pandemic or throughout access any of the pandemic related supports for businesses like the pivot program or employee uh, oh, actually, benefits right. yeah. or nothing federal, but we did yeah. take on the pivot program, which, okay. which helped us to realize either we need to grow or we need to shrink. And that was also a catalyst, I think for Neil and Dave to think about their next phase in the industry. And I think that pivot program was also part of the catalyst for us to like split ways. Um, mm -hmm. And a big part of that was like, we needed a CEO. We needed someone to be at the helm. Democracy is great, um, but in history, vision comes from a singular leader, right? Like vision is a single, like, you know, the reason why on film sets is a director. If you don't have one person who's guiding the vision and it's democracy and you're, it's like, you know, a choice to be made by committee. First off, it, it washes out the quality. Like it's, it's just pale in comparison. So you need vision. And we realized we needed leadership. And we needed a CEO, but none of us wanted to be the CEO at that time. I'm very happy now to be the CEO. Like I love that I'm able, I think I still wanted to be creative at that point. That was a couple years ago. I still was desperate to be creative. I, I was still wanting to learn the software and, and, and play around with the technology. Um, COVID and other things have really allowed me to think differently about business. And I'm very happy now to be the CEO and thinking about high level, like bird's eye view of how to approach things and, and just kind of materializing and catalyzing opportunities locally. Um, finding ways for us to use this technology and, and bringing more cool things to my staff to play with and work on that are meaningful to them. I'll be honest, we've had some things approach us and we talk about it. And, and sometimes there's some projects that feel a bit um, unaware of, of their approach. Um, and there's a bit of danger around how they're approaching the Yukon, the North. We don't feel like, oh, this is, this is dangerous to get involved in because they don't actually understand what they're trying to do locally. <laughs> um, and we don't want to, you know, Luckily, we're in a place we can choose not to be part of those things. We like we don't want to have our name attached to this because it doesn't seem like it's it's honest or or there's not a lot of integrity moving forward with this project. Um, but uh, yeah, um, now remind me what was your question again? <laughs> uh, pandemic related support. So you yeah yeah so yeah used, we did pivot. Were, were there was, were there yeah. yeah were there any gaps in support like things that you needed or like somewhere where the pandemic was affecting your business but there wasn't anything there for you? We had we had work, more than enough work, like we were busy. But for, for me, I knew that we're in a time of weird, weird, obviously change. And so pivot for us, I, I didn't apply to pivot because we were struggling. I applied to pivot because we had opportunity and I was like, I don't know where to go next with this. Um, so it was just helping us to figure out. And we, yeah, we, and we needed a leader. And, you know, like I said before, vision comes from a singular person, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, Muhammad Ali, um, you got JFK, like, 
leadership, right? And it comes from a single person. So we realized there has to be someone at captain of the ship. Otherwise the ship was, was meandering through the ocean, right? And so um, Pivot helped us to understand that. And that Pivot was a huge part of, I think, where we are today. So I'm really thankful to the team there and the support they gave us and our, our, um, our consultant who was amazing to work with too. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah. Where, you know, you're obviously thinking about your business really differently. Where, where are you seeing your opportunity? Um, it's cliche everywhere. That's a problem. I'm kind of an optimist in the world and I can see how specifically XR, XR is such an adaptable technology and adaptable approach to storytelling where you can convert any space into an opportunity in some ways. Um, we're working with museums now on rather than renovating the space, rather than like redoing this thing, we can build virtual infrastructure. We can, we can basically bring your assets to life. Um, so rather than spend all this money to renovate or to build a new wing of the, the museum, you can go outside and we can actually create that wing digitally. And people can walk around with their phones or, or headsets in an experience if they want to or inside. Um, or you can create a relationship and a, a contact with an asset or a story that's much more engaging than it was just as like a flat surface, right? So, or um, um, what do you call those like um, uh, dioramas, right? So it is, mm -hmm. I actually, I love dioramas, to be honest. I'm, I'm a very, I love real 3D tactile things um, more than I love, I love digital. But, you know, if I could go back in time, I think I would, I would build dioramas uh, for museums. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been fun, you know, but I think, you know, I'm outside. I just, whenever someone approaches me with a film idea, I just think about it now differently. How can we approach this with a much more immersion? Like what is a way to approach the same story, but to immerse people in that story? Um, and pretty quickly, they're all buying into oh, let's not make a film. Let's make an XR experience. And I was like, yeah, it makes more sense. Not for everything, but I do see how um, working with you know, clients, even people that want to train, you can, you can use motion capture, right? To create training for people so that they don't have to necessarily go on site. They can be at home. You just get the goggles and you can learn how to use equipment or you can walk around the site that you're going to go to next week in a virtual space. And you can walk around and get a sense of where you're going to be going to and you know what the environment is like, what the equipment's like. Um, or you can do photogrammetry, you can scan environments and people can actually, for instance, a get an example of XR and Minds was, um, um, I think it's now called Victoria, but and it's Gold Corp. Back in the day when it was Gold Corp, um, they were doing, um, they were flying planes over and taking photogrammetry. And so anybody involved in the mine could log into their virtual reality mine site and go back forwards in time and see how the mine's changing with real imageries of real locations. And so it allowed them to like move around and understand, um, you know, oh, we were, this equipment was there last week. We need, to, we, need to, we need to move that over here. We need to do this. So it's like real time, almost real time analysis of a location, which is pretty cool. So there's just, there's a ridiculous amount of potential. Um, and that's where I'm, I think my problem is I'm, a, I'm an optimist too. Uh, I see opportunity everywhere and it, it gets me into trouble. I, uh, I can definitely, uh, get my hands into too many cool things all at once. Cause I, I love, I love new ideas. I love doing concepts. So my big thing now is to like rein it in and be like, okay, my team is, is able to do so much. And so we need to like slow down the, uh, the concept train, but it's cool to just to kind of, I see the world differently now. I, I don't see it like I used to. And it's XR has allowed me to, to think about it as an immersion. It's not, it's not a flat screen anymore. It's, it's a, it's a 3d space. You can move in, you can play in and that changes how you can tell stories. It changes how you can experience, um, um, a site, a location, change how you can experience work. Um, there's some really cool stuff with AR now where, let's say in the Yukon, right? Um, for instance, this, uh, this landslide, we got to fly someone up. He's got to go out there and, and look at it. Um, they're doing now like places that are really remote. They're just sending HoloLens from Microsoft and they're tapping into specialists in the UK, specialists in Germany. And basically your headset's down, it's recording your environments. As you're walking around, the person on the other end who's across the planet is seeing what you see and can draw on their screen and virtually in your space, you can see them drawing. See this panel here, you need to go to this thing. Okay, now open that up and they'll draw again. See this here, you need to go there and take that green line. So they're actually communicating in virtual space in real time using you know very visceral experiences to tell the story of how to fix something. Um, doctors using that, right? AR, now that's beyond what we're doing, but AR is being used as a tool to support very, very, I would say, um, limited locations in the world with expertise that they haven't had access to ever. So it's a cool time, right? Where um, as a specialist, you, if you, if you have X, XR and you can, you can be anywhere in the world supporting anything, 
um, as long as they have the headset and you have the engine on your side of things. So it's a cool, you know, there's a, a friend of mine is doing some work in hospitals. And so there's these amputees that he works with who have lost certain parts of their body, obviously, right? And so what they are doing is as part of healing, they put on a VR headset, they wear a certain thing on, the, whether it's an arm or a leg and in virtual space, they now have their arm back. So they go into the space and they can see what, what, what wasn't, you know, no longer there. And as they're moving around, they can see, and it's just part of, there's that, there's that what's it called, like a phantom limb, right? Mm-hmm. We can still feel it, but they've seen like mentally, they've been doing tests. The healing process for someone who has, has lost a limb is drastically increased when they're able to just go back for moments in time and experience what it was like to have a limb and like, a, like to have their arms or legs back, whatever it is. And that's being done with AR, it's being done with VR. And so there's massive potential in education, in healthcare, in business, in storytelling. The problem is that there's, there's opportunity everywhere with this stuff. And so you have to kind of choose your, your department, your niche. And we're starting to figure out what it looks like for us in the North. Um, but again, we don't want to be the only one doing XR. So we're very happy to share what we're up to. And we're, we're trying to, you know, encourage the Yukon to like, especially youth, like we just need to start teaching and training and building more capacity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've talked about yourself being a sort of a new CEO uh, or a sort of new in that kind of role. What are you learning about leadership in that role? Um, good question too. So I think working with millennials specifically, uh, I'm learning a lot about empathy as a leader. I think it's important to have empathy. Um, we live in a strange time. Um, Russia, you know, Europe's back at war. We have COVID. The youth today are dealing with things that I never dealt with as a child. And so um, to have empathy, to be, to be adaptable to them has been really helpful. So where they, you know, I think at least my staff, uh, it's all about, uh, I'm not in charge. It's, it's that I am in the charge of, so I'm, I'm, I'm supporting these individuals. Um, I'm not doing the creative work. I just need to make sure that my, my team is healthy, that they're, that they're working well together. They're communicating if there is strife, that we are managing that. So it's really about, creating a really healthy team for me. And if the team's healthy, then we're doing cool things. We're doing amazing things together. If the team is unhealthy, then there's a problem, right? And so my leadership isn't necessarily about jumping in there. And I, I mean, I've done the teaching. I've, I've kind of given them the skills. Like I said, they are now taking off and doing things I don't understand. So my role now is really creating that that glue, that community, that, that, that environment that's just super supportive of them and feeling like they can take risks. I think it's been dangerous. Um, millennials, you know, they've been told like, you, if you want to do it, you can do it. Um, they, they, get, they get awards for everything, right? And so they're not used to failing. Um, and my team, they're well aware. I'm like, you guys can fail in my office. It's okay. Like, I think it's important for them because that's where you really start learning. So, you know, yeah, you made something. The client didn't like it. That's okay. We'll just go back and change it. Like, it's not, a, we're not doctors. We're not saving lives. Um, it's okay to fail in this environment, right? So it's been a good thing to realize is to allow, allow them to fail, but to feel the support that they, when they fail, we're just going to pick them up again and we're going to, you know, brush it off and then, and then try again. And I think a lot of them in other jobs haven't felt that much capacity and opportunity to, to, to like try and fail. Um, and that's been really cool to allow them to have at the office. Um, and like I said, that comes again from being an empathetic leader and just trying to put myself in their shoes and just understand um, what they're going through and being open to like allowing them to, to do what they need to do to be healthy. I think for a long time, and as an owner, we sacrifice a lot to be an entrepreneur. Um, we make a lot of risky choices in life um, that often aren't, health, health, aren't healthy. They're healthy for the business. They aren't healthy for us. Um, and, um, and I'm trying to also like allow them to take their own risks and be but, but under a secure kind of space where they can do that and still feel like they're going to be okay. So it's been a really fun time. I'm still... You know, this is a new thing for me being a leader in that capacity. And um, I've worked in other capacities with youth before. Um, so it's cool to be a CEO, employing them and paying them for like super highly technical, um, very complex uh, field. So that's a whole different thing. But um, I've always wanted to work with youth again in some capacity. And it's cool. I never thought I could do it as a business in this field. So that's been really cool for me to, it kind of just fell in my lap. I've been wanting to work with youth for a while. And I felt like, well, let me try this. I'll just, you know, I'll uh, create an internship. Um, so it's been nice to work with you again in that way and, and give back to the community through, through my craft, which um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm 
transition away from the creative, from the technical. So if I left that behind, the work I'm doing in the Yukon is very, very specific. And if I stop doing that, in some ways, the Yukon no longer has access to animation, visual effects, XR. Um, and knowing that I wanted to transition away and be more of a leader and a CEO, uh, I knew that I wanted to give that skill back to somebody else to, to kind of pass the torch to the next generation. So it was nice to be given. And I'll be honest, the opportunity was supported by other by locals and federal funding bodies to allow me to teach. Um, and it's allowed me to obviously uh, not reduce the capacity of the Yukon, but actually increase it. That's what mm-hmm. that's been Like what I did is now being done two, three, threefold because my, t- my team can do that. Um, and I'm just able to kind of work with, you know, um, partners, governments, First Nations, schools around how we continually grow this capacity territorially. Yeah. I ramble a lot. Sorry, I'm not sure. No, it's, it's fantastic. You did. You yeah. did. And, and it kind of tees up into my next one, which is, you know, we're, you know, we're learning to live with COVID. We're, you know, we're, we're starting to welcome people back to the territory and Yukoners are starting to travel more. And so we're, we're sort of opening up our economy again. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're really paying attention to that maybe the pandemic highlighted or the you know major issues when you think about what the Yukon economy is is becoming? Hmm. What the Yukon economy is becoming. Let me ask you this from your interviews. Just give me a Coles notes like what have you seen? What are people seeing? Or that like at least an idea of what you've been hearing? I'm just curious. Yeah. I think I can answer that. I'm kind of curious, I guess I need a bit more context I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would speak more like my experience with COVID-19 and I think, um, and I think you touched on this maybe a little bit too, when you're just talking about the ethics with, with, with how we conduct ourselves as business owners. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that there's this balance between, um, you know, taking on risk and being more like understanding what's safe risk to take on mm-hmm. and what's, you know, and, but, but also being ambitious enough to take that risk on and finding that balance um, here in the territory in a sort of fragile ecosystem where, you know, where capacity is always a challenge where, um, where it's not, it's, it's not, there's not often, you got to build all of it. Like you got to build the, the human resource, the, the, all of the opportunity ecosystem to play in. So I think like that's been one thing that kind of reflects back and then when I speak more about the ethics of what it means to, to be a business owner in the territory, I think it's really about um, understanding our resp- a collective responsibility to the treaty, to the final agreements, to what it means to be operating within traditional territory. And, and when you open yourself up to understanding that and take the risk of decolonizing or of mm-hmm. you know seeing, seeing the extent of colonization within yourself and within the way you're doing business, yeah. it opens you up to unlimit a lot more potential and a lot even richer greater business opportunity to 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 work here yeah. in the north yeah yeah i i didn't grow up here um grew up in saskatchewan but i never really was a fan of flatland so when i came to yukon i was obviously sold um but yeah i'm, I'm you know i'm actually ukrainian um and uh with a couple other things mixed in there but yeah, you're right. I mean, we're living in a time of colonization, all those things. Um, I've started with a leg up in life in a lot of ways, um, just by the, the color of my skin, right? That, that's the reality of it. And uh, and I also had incredibly supportive parents. We were not wealthy, but I had an abundance of support. And I think that allowed me to be more of a risk taker in general when I was a kid, which meant that now as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, I still am a bit of a risk taker. As you said, no risk is safe, like in, in the name, risk, risk is risk, right? But there's levels of risk. And the higher, like the, the littler you take, the littler gain you have, the higher risk you take, the higher gain you have, or the opposite where you, you have a huge setback where you close your company down or you lose your partner, you know, who knows what happens. Right. And so um, with, with this now, you know, COVID slowing down and things going back to normal, what I'm seeing is that the Yukon wants so quickly to get back to normal uh, and we lack people that are willing, like, Everyone is short-staffed, right? And so um, we want tourism to like just bounce back to where it was, but everyone was let off, people have left the Yukon. So there isn't a capacity right now to, to and the danger is we just, if we jump back too quick, obviously we're gonna be over overcrowded and over, over just overdrawn with, with um, people and wants and needs. And we, we can't obviously meet those things. We're working with people right now 
who are thinking about that already and are trying to build real capacity that is sustainable moving forward. And I, I love that. It's like, how do you think about, okay, not COVID, who cares, but like just it's about building sustainability no matter what. Um, and it's been cool to be a part of that approach and think about that. And I'll be honest, XR has been a big conversation about, about a lot of that because when you build it, it just kind of exists. Um, and so, um, and it can, it can also be uh, a form of, sadly, of employment, like rather than employ an employee, a lot of what we can do with XR is create the experience that you need an employee to do to replicate. So then rather than needing someone on site, if it goes, if someone has a phone, they can actually just scan a location and all of a sudden we have a digital performance that loads up and there's a character in front of you in 3D space on your phone and is telling you what a person would have been telling you in person. Um, so it alleviates the need for capacity locally and you need to lead for personnel locally if, if you build the XR. It's kind of cool, you build it once and it's like you have a person on site all the time. Um, so we're looking at people talking to us about, about that, right? About we, we need certain jobs. Can we replace certain positions with an XR, basically opportunity or model or deployment in this location? I was like, yeah, we can. Um, not everything, but there are certain things that you can. I don't talk about like robots in the world, but XR is, you know, the evolution towards that, right? Um, is you can create uh, a virtual character that can support um, specifically around tourism, not to say restaurants, but you know, XR is not going to cook you food. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's lots of businesses and opportunities where XR can support, I think, sustainable kind of deployment. looking into the future in terms of what the opportunities exist for tourism and culture and even jobs. I mean, the Yukon exploded in the last couple of years. I don't know if you've noticed it, but when I drive around my horse, it is not the white horse I, I moved to. There are so many people that live and moved up here now. So it just feels different. You know, it's busier. It's partly why I moved out of town. Uh, I moved to White Rose because it was quieter. And now I feel like it's a, it's a small, big city. You know, it's very different now. Um, but that means that there's opportunity. Obviously, like people are moving here because there is lots of work. Um, so with COVID slowing down, um, this is where we're, we're talking about, um, again, I bring it back to capacity, but we're working in CarMax. Like I, I do feel it's time to engage with opportunities and communities that are real. Um, we have a huge barrier right now, COVID aside, the barrier is bandwidth. The communities are interested in this. They do not have the bandwidth to do it. Now I know there's talks right now on, on the news about them building infrastructure and stuff. It's a bit of a bandaid in some ways, but it's a start. You know, we, we really need to think again with integrity and meaningfulness around how do we, how do we bring those communities into the world wide web to like, you know, like they, they need, they need bandwidth. Right. And our field, what we're doing with XR is heavily, it heavily uses bandwidth. So we have people in the communities that wanna work with us, that wanna learn these skills. Um, and often it drops out, we can't work with them. You know, they can't be a part of something. And so it is a problem with uh, building capacity in, in the communities. But I think if, let's say tomorrow, if we had bandwidth, enough bandwidth for them to, we can then start working with youth in those communities on building careers in this field. They don't have to go to Toronto or Vancouver. They could stay in their hometown and start doing really amazing things in XR, in, in that field. And in, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a catch-all. There's a lot of different sectors and deployments and opportunities. And I would just say like, um, industries within that word. Um, but there's a ton of opportunity for communities to look at engaging with youth They're Like I said, they're, they're on their phones. They're used to it. They love technology. So imagine giving them a chance to work in that field and make a career out of it, but to stay in their hometown. And there is that opportunity with XR. If we have bandwidth. That's, the, that's our biggest barrier right now. Yeah. 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 For, yeah. And, and we, we certainly have heard that, that that's, you know, for the Yukon to, to really emerge, that that's something yeah. that we need to be, we need to be more connected. Right. Any, um, you've been super busy. What's keeping you grounded? What's. Thank God for my partner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your community, my, my community keys are grounded. I, I, you know, it's the people around me that are like, Hey, slow down or hey you look you need a break um i i have morning practice i actually it's funny i had a, a pretty bad back injury during covid um and i thought it was a physical back injury but i realized it was it was largely stress related um when i said no to a couple of things in my life business-wise and, and made some choices just uh because i i needed to i literally couldn't get out of bed for a while for months um I was doing all these things, physio, eating right. I was doing some weird, you know, meeting some healers and massage and all these things. Mm. And I, it was a negligible decrease in my pain. Um, but there was a day where I said no to a bunch of work. And I told some, some colleagues of mine, I'm collaborating. And I was like, I have to step up this project. I, I literally can't come down and work on this because I'm in bed. Um, and it was that evening. My pain was in half. 
And so I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't just physical. There's a lot of emotional, a lot of obviously stress going on there. Um, so my body for years, I wasn't listening to my, 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 my self-conscious, my, my body and my body finally, it was like, screw you. I'm going to make you hurt. So you understand that you need to slow down. So that was the first evolution of me understanding that I need to slow down. Um, and I had a new injury recently, my back. So I'm like, oh, I think I'm going too hard again. Uh, so my body tells me funny enough when to slow down these days, which has been, just been good. And it, and it's, it's like an unstoppable force when your body doesn't work, you're not working. At least for me, my, when my back is done, I, I need to. So partly how I stay grounded is a morning practice. I, I, um, I have a certain ritual, uh, ceremony I do in the morning, um, a mantra, like around just getting into a headspace. I do either yoga or eccentrics, which is this amazing ballerina that I, I have an online, I work with her. She's, she, she teaches you, she's, she teaches you how to basically stretch and open your, but anyways, so she's been a huge part of my recovery, but I just kind of spend time in the morning on me, on my health, on my body. And that tends to ground me for the rest of the day on the days where I, where I'm too busy and I can't do my morning kind of ritual are the days where work is hard, where I don't have, I feel like at the end of the day, I just don't have it anymore to kind of continue um, either the meeting or continue working. But on the days where I spend some time in the morning on me, um, I find those are my best days. So it's about like routine and ritual for me. Um, and that's been when I, when I don't do that, my back gives out. So, um, so yeah, so I'm taking a couple of days to uh, focus on my body, my back and my mind these days. Yeah. I think that's really insightful, Jaden. Uh, it takes us a long time to learn that lesson uh, in yeah. life. Sometimes too yeah. long that, that our body is keeping score for us and yeah. Uh, yeah. we need to, to listen to it. Um, any, uh, any closing thoughts before we sign out today? Um, I'll just come back to, again, uh, our next gold rush is, is the youth in this territory. Um, this internship taught me that. Um, we just need to give them opportunity, mentorship, and access to the infrastructure and technology assets, whatever it is that they need to develop their own careers. Um, they're smart. They're going to figure this out. We just need to give them a little bit of a boost. And that starts with schools. It starts with doing it inside of high school, inside of junior high, um, elementary. The university is making some shifts, which is cool. But I think we're getting there. But I do think, um, especially within the field that I'm in, I'm already a dinosaur. That's the reality of this. Um, and that's okay because I've, I've, I've moved into the leadership role. I can be a dinosaur. In fact, they move slower. I like it. Um, but... Uh, we have a ridiculous opportunity in front of us if we just start engaging with youth in a meaningful way around how they can be leaders and stewards of XR in the world, not in the, not in the UConn, but in the world. And so, uh, yeah, and I'm doing my best to try and support it from my, from my side of things, but uh, it's, a, it's a systematic change that has to happen locally around, and not just in Whitehorse, I'm talking in the territory, in the schools and in the communities. Um, kids can stay here and have careers and work in a really amazing field if they choose to. It's just, we need to start engaging with them at their level. Yeah. 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 Well, Dayton, thank you so much for your time today. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm inspired by the work that you're doing. It's, it's exciting and, yeah. um, you. I, you know, all the best, all the best. Appreciate it. Good <laughs> to see you. Thanks, Jaden. Yeah. Bye. Bye.